0: year, isn't it? 2023. That's pretty cool. So we have been in a series called Travel Light. Um, as we're wrapping up this series today, we're starting a new series next week. I'm just going to tell you the name, that's all I'm going to tell you. The new series is called Drive. You don't want to miss it. It's starting next week. But we're wrapping up Travel Light. So let me talk about some of the things that we've we've mentioned in Travel Light, all right? They're going to be moving some doors. Don't worry about them. Focus on me. Um, So we've covered letting go of stuff. Do you remember letting go of stuff? Obeying God sometimes requires leaving stuff behind, doesn't it? And we asked the question, what if the stuff we have is robbing us of the life we want? Right? That was week one. Week two, we covered distractions. And we said the the devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. Right? Think about that. The devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. And we asked God to give us the power to focus on what matters most. Then we talked about bitterness. And we said, you don't need to pick up that seed of offense that we so often pick up sometimes. And we said, we can't control what other people do to us, but we can control how we respond. Then we talked about letting go of control. This was a tough one. There's a lot of us, me included, we like control, don't we? And we said we don't always have the power to control, but we always have the power to surrender. We ask the question, what if you're trying to control something that God wants you to surrender? So this morning, what are we going to be talking about? We're kind of at a unique point right now, leaving 2022 behind, going into 2023. We're going to talk about letting go of our past. So reflect on 2022 for a moment. Isn't it natural, right? The end of the year, the beginning of the year, you kind of do a little bit of reflection. You also look forward. But as you reflect, was 2022 a good year for you? I hope it was. For some of you, maybe you can head nod. Yeah, 2022, it was a good year. For some of you, like, 2022, it was not a good year. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of things that may have come at you. Sickness, right? Uh, different things in your job, the economy, whatever, and you're like, good riddance to 2022. I don't want it anymore. But regardless of where we are with our past, hopefully we're looking to God for what he has in store for us in our future. But here's what we're going to talk about today in terms of letting go of our past. Although we can't change our past, right, the past is done. It's water under the bridge. The cookie's already crumbled. You can't put it back together again. But what you can do is say, God, you can hold my future. God, you do hold my future. So regardless of how your 2022 was, let's look forward to what God wants to do in 2023. So, you know, the funny thing about our past is this. You can't change it, and it always seems to want to come back and haunt you. You know what I'm saying, right? So, so there was a time years ago where I was on the phone with Verizon. My kids and family already know this story. Maybe you've heard it too. I'm on the phone with Verizon and I'm just listening over and over again to this pre-recorded, "You are customer, the most important person. Our job number one is to satisfy the customer, blah, blah 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 blah. And finally, after about a thousand minutes on hold uh, maybe I'm exaggerating. It wasn't a1,000. That was a joke. you could have laughed, but that's all right. Um, after the, the person comes on, I tell them my problem, and they're like, "No, we can't help you." And I'm like, but wait a minute, I'm the customer and I'm not satisfied. The words came out of my mouth. I've never lived them down to this day. I'm constantly reminded, oh, yeah, remember the time when dad said, I'm the customer and I'm not satisfied. It's in the past. But you know what? Even though it's in the past, it's like the door never got shut and the breeze just keeps blowing in. I can't let go of the past. I'm reminded about the past. Well, what are we going to do when we have that cold draft come? We're going to look at Peter this morning. And I, and I hope you can all take, we can all take a lesson out of Peter's life, right? Peter was the guy in week two when we talked about distractions. He was the guy that looked at Jesus, got out of the boat, and he walked on the water. It was an amazing, miraculous moment in his life. But we're not looking at that part of the scripture today. We're looking at Luke 22. The scene is this. It's the Last Supper, right? All the disciples are there. And Jesus is saying, like, they don't know that the end is near, but the end is near. Jesus knows it. And he's telling some of his most important things to his disciples. He's telling them it it all at this dinner. And this is what he says to Peter over the supper. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter's like, what the? Jesus, what are you saying? I don't, like, I'm sure it made no sense to him. Like, Satan's going to sift me as wheat. Like, Jesus, stand up for me. Don't let him do that. All right, great. I'm, I'm glad you're praying for me. But what do you mean when I've repented, strengthen my brothers? And Peter says to him, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die for you. You know, and I believe that some of us here this morning... You may be being sifted like wheat. Maybe 2022 was the year that you're like, yeah, that kind of describes my year. (laughs) I was sifted like wheat. Did you know that Jesus was praying for you just like he was praying for Peter? And and my prayer today as we prayed even before service, but my prayer all week is today would be a day that something would change in our lives. It's that repentance moment where we've been walking in this direction and now we're going to turn around and say, no, God, I'm walking towards you in a fresh way. But the scripture doesn't end here. It goes on. And we know that, that Jesus was arrested. We know that he, he got taken to the home of, of the high priest. And, and Peter's in the courtyard. Right? He's in the courtyard warming himself against a fire. It's cold outside. He's just told the Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But you know what? He didn't, like, stand up when Jesus got arrested. He kind of followed in the shadows. Now he's in the courtyard. And this is what goes on, right? Peter didn't have to look death in the face to deny Jesus. It's this powerless slave girl that says, hey, wait a minute, you're one of Jesus' followers, aren't you? And Peter goes, woman, I didn't even know him. Oh my gosh, Peter, you just said that you were going to go to prison, you're going to die with him, and now you're denying him once. And after a while, someone else looks at him and says, you must be one of them. And Peter says, no, man, I'm not not the man. Luke 22, 31 to 34, Jesus says, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times that you've ever known me. Peter's remembering this, maybe at this point or maybe not. But it's only strike two, right? Strike three happens. And it's at this moment that someone says again to Peter, at that moment, when Peter denies him the third time, the Lord turns and looks at Peter. And suddenly the Lord's words flash through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, he'll deny me three times if you even know me. And Peter leaves the courtyard weeping bitterly. Right? This is, I mean, Peter denied knowing Christ. He had, he had followed Christ. He'd been with him for three years. He just told Jesus, like, I'm, I will go to the death with you, Jesus. And, and now he's blowing it so bad. Like Jesus gave him that look. Did you ever get that look? I don't think any one of us have that look from Jesus. But maybe you've gotten that look from someone when you said something mad, you know, mean about someone. And then all of a sudden you saw, oh my gosh, they heard what I said. And you got that look. And you're like, ugh. Or, or you said something about your spouse and you didn't realize your spouse was there and you got that look. Right? Take that and magnify it. That's the look Jesus gives to Peter. And Peter's just crushed Oh my gosh, like, what did Peter feel? I'm sure he felt guilt. I can't believe I just did that. I'm sure he felt shame. What if the other disciples find out what I do, what I did? I'm sure there was regret. I wish I could take that back. I wish I could tell Verizon, you know what? Thank you so much. You are putting me first. I'm so happy for you. Can I talk to your supervisor? That's all I needed to say, right? (laughs) But I can't take those words back. Peter couldn't take it back. So maybe there's a loved one you let let down. Maybe there's someone at work that you said something about and they found out what you said. Maybe it's someone you go to school with. You didn't stand up for them when you should have. 2022 is like a door that we're trying to shut. And you know what? As hard as we try, the door just doesn't shut all the way. And we're getting this cold breeze. It keeps coming back to us. How are we going to make it through 2023? The enemy loves to take our mistakes he loves to take our failures. He loves to take our regrets. And you know what he does? Whoosh, he pours some gas on them, right? And, and he just fuels them up. This is what the enemy's lies look like, right? You know, because of what you've done, you're just unforgivable. No one else has ever done it. Peter, you have done what no one else has ever done. You're unforgivable. And the enemy will say the same thing to us. You've blown it. You've blown it too bad. And maybe because you've done so much, or you didn't do enough, or the failure you're a part of has affected so many people, now the enemy's lie is you're unforgivable, right? It's not just that you're, un- you're not just that you're unforgivable, but now you're unlovable, right? And then the third lie is okay because you're unforgivable and you're unlovable, you're actually useless. Like why don't you just? It, it would be better if you weren't even here. Ever have those thoughts, right? That's where the enemy starts to take us when we go down this path. Maybe, maybe you're feeling that, you know, God, how could you ever use me to be a part of a healthy family because I've messed up so much? Like, it's, it will be better if I'm just not in this family. Or, God, how could you heal my physical body after I've done so much to harm it and, and put so much junk in it? God, how, no wonder why I'm not in, in good health today because of what I've done. And you feel like you're, it's, it's over. It's useless. Or God, how could you use a person like me because of what I've done in the past? Like our past can haunt us, but that's not God's will, right? This is what's God's will. If we can't let go of our past, we can't take hold of our future. We have to find a way of letting go of our past, right? If you want to move from 2022 into 2023 and have all that God wants for you, you got to be able to shut the door to 2022. You can't leave it open. There can't be the cold drafts coming in anymore, so here's the good news. Jesus doesn't leave us holding on to our past. Instead, he comes to us when we need it most. How? How do I know that? Because we're going to keep looking at Peter's life. Right? Did you know that after Jesus died, the disciples are like, "Yeah, I don't really know what to do. Well, why don't we go fishing? That's what we know best. So, so Jesus and his bu- I mean, Peter and his buddies, they go fishing after Jesus dies. Right? They're out fishing all night. And guess how much they catch? Nothing, nada, zip. Then there's this guy on the shore, and he yells out to him, Hey, fellas, you catch anything? And I'm sure they motion like, we got nothing. Put your net over on the right side. You're going to catch something. I don't know, would you listen to a guy like that on the shore? Uh, They didn't know what else to do, so they did. They put their net over on, put their net over the right side, and guess what happens? They get a catch of fish that's so large they can hardly pull in their net. And Peter goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. This has happened to me before. That guy's guy Jesus. And Peter strips off his clothes. He jumps into the water. He's not walking on water, but man, he's going faster. He is doing the Michael Phelps impersonation, And he is flying towards shore. So he gets there. And he has the most awkward meal of awkward meals ever. Right, Because Peter is so excited to see Jesus, like he wants to give an embrace. No embrace is recorded. In fact, it doesn't say that Jesus said one word to Peter the whole breakfast until he finally says a word. And this is what he says to Peter. Well, this is good. John 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. This is the first thing Jesus said to him all breakfast long. Like, Peter knows. All right, I I know I denied you three times, Jesus. Maybe he's forgotten about it. You ever have those moments where you're like, okay, you're kind of walking on eggshells. Well, maybe it's good. No, maybe it's not good. Like, you're trying to read the situation. I'm sure Peter has spent all of breakfast trying to read Jesus. Where's Jesus at? And Jesus goes, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He repeats it. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Let's just look at what I put in yellow. Simon, son of John. What was Peter's name? It was Simon. He had a nickname called Peter. How many times do you get called by your full name? Right? What does that mean? What does it mean when you get called by your full name? You're in trouble, right? If my mom yelled out the back door, Greg, I'd be like, I got time. No, no big deal. I can come home soon. She goes, Gregory Douglas Vaccaro. I'm like, shoot, I am screwed and I'm running back in. What did I do? Oh, my gosh, I'm in trouble. And Jesus says it not once to Peter. He doesn't call him by his full name once. He calls him by his full name twice. And then it goes on a third time. He goes a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And now Peter's hurt. Peter's hurt. Okay, Jesus, like you could give me the treatment once. You can give me the treatment twice. But really, you're going to call me by my full name three times? Like, Peter's hurt. Now, Jesus could have ignored the past. He could have just said, hey, Peter, we're all good. Like, you know, come on, bro. Fist pump him. No, Peter, Peter was hurt. Because Jesus was pressing on something. He was pressing on something that was a wound for Peter. He knew it was a wound. And he's like, if I don't bring this up, Peter, you're never going to be able to let go of the past and take hold of the future. So, Peter, I'm going to press you on this thing so that you get it. That you get it. So, Jesus brings it up three times because he's more concerned with lasting healing than he is about your momentary pain that you're going to feel hurt over a situation. Now, think back to when you were young. Did you ever skin your knee... Or or hurt your elbow, like and you get the cut, and you come home and you're like, Mom, no. And what did your what did your mom or your dad do to you, you know, when you had that deep cut? I don't know about you, but like this torturous bottle of hydrogen peroxide would come out of the cabinet and like they pour, you ever have that happen to you? They pour hydrogen peroxide on the wound. What does it do? It starts foaming, you're like, ah! and then your parents go, Pfft. They blow on it, like as if blowing does anything. Does anybody, did that happen to you? Like, why did they blow on it? It didn't do a thing. But what was it doing? The hydrogen peroxide, like it's bubbling up and it's cleaning out the wound, right? And your parents know, okay, you're going to feel pain for a moment, but this is actually a good thing. We need to clean out this wound. Otherwise, it's not going to heal right. Jesus knew the same thing about Peter. If I don't bring this up, Peter, if I don't go there right now with you, it's like, you know, the wound's going to heal over, but it's not really going to be healed over. The door won't be closed. There's still going to be this cold breeze that keeps blowing in from your past, Peter. Peter, I'm going to go there with you. So what do we have to do to let go of our past? To let go of our past, we got to start by doing one thing. When the door sticks and it doesn't close, figure out a way like close the door. we got to shut the door. And here's how we shut the door on our past. We accept the truth of God's grace is bigger than our past. right? God doesn't want us to be, to be uh, saddled with what's happened in the past. He doesn't want the cold draft to keep coming in. It takes courage to say yes to Jesus. It takes courage to say, yes, God, I'm going to give you everything that I am. I'm going to walk forward in faith, Lord. I am, I'm going to keep looking forward. I'm not going to look past. It takes courage to do that. But that's what God wants us to do, to shut the door. And we do that by agreeing with God's word. Why? Because this is the example we see in Jesus' life. Remember when uh, he got baptized by John the Baptist and the father says, this is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. And it says, Jesus, full of the spirit, goes where? He goes into the wilderness. And now he's tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And every time the enemy came to him and said, psh, 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 you're unlovable. You're loose. You're useless. You're unforgivable. Every time the enemy came and tempted him, what did Jesus do? He went back to Scripture. So now I want us, every time you're tempted to go back to something that happened in your past, or, or that the old tapes come up of, of sin that you, you're still dealing with or you dealt with or, or whatever, this is what we need to know. If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Right, So how do we, we shut the door to our past with intention, and we shut the door to our past by accepting the grace that God has and by looking at his word and letting his word define us. Right, So it says that he's going to forgive us. A lot of us have received forgiveness, but this is maybe what you've never done. You've never done, okay, Jesus, do it. Holy Spirit, get out the hydrogen peroxide. like Pour it on. I, I want the hydrogen peroxide, Lord, because I want this wound to go away. I don't want to have it anymore. So maybe you've received forgiveness, but you've never gotten the cleansing. God offers you both, but it takes your courage to say, here you go, Lord. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. God, heal me. Work, work on me. Right? We've, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. But it takes courage to say yes. God's grace is bigger than our sin you got to know that. you got to believe that because that's what the word says. His grace is bigger than our sin. So our standing with God is ultimately determined by what? It's re- determined by our relationship with Jesus, right? It's not, ma- it's not a matter of the rules we've broken or the rules we've, we've, we've obeyed. It's our relationship with Jesus. So remember when, when uh, you know, as you're growing up in a family, your parents didn't stop being your parents just because you disobeyed them. They were still your parents. Right? They probably still told you they loved you. Jesus is still your father even when you mess up. And his grace is bigger than your sin. So you know, we, we find in the word that we can overcome the enemy by what? The blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. I got two people today that I'm going to invite forward to give their testimony. These guys are, are powerful. They're bold. They're courageous. Luke White, wherever you are, would you come up here? I wanna, we we want to hear from you for a moment. So, everybody, welcome Luke White, if you don't know him. Take it away, buddy.
1: Hello, how you doing? My name is Luke White. I've um, been asked to come up here and give my testimony. I knew I would be humbled in front of all of you, so I took the time to write it down. Um, first, I'd like to open with uh word of Paul. Um, I have discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, that was uh, Romans 7:21 through 25. So I'm a grateful, recovered alcoholic and addict. Um, there was a time in my life that I could not say this, and I did not know what it meant. I did not start on the right path in life, did not fit in anywhere, and I did not think that I belonged anywhere. I could not conceive a positive thought in my mind about myself or that others perceived me in any positive way. I was consumed with loneliness and emptiness that only got worse around others. Alcohol and drugs presented to my life what would be considered a liberation of self, a spiritual experience. I could talk and socialize with ease and complete abandonment of anxieties and depressions. I was a capable person under the influence of alcohol and drugs, unlike when I was sober, awkward, and full of hell. The comfort of this idolization and selfish indulgence did not last for long as most stories go. I had begun to drown myself in all my experience, hopes, and values deeper and deeper inside. I had completely lost control of myself and found that I only cared for one thing, and that was absolute oblivion and disconnection from others who at this point had found me to be anything but sound. Isolated and full of false pride, I carried on for 25 years, relying on myself to keep it together, falling apart many times, and many times scared for my life. I had sought help unsuccessfully for over a decade during this time as my life had become tired and incredibly old. I often wished for death. There was a time that I thought I was a bad person, immoral and unworthy of love. Luckily, I learned that I suffered from what folks in recovery refer to as a spiritual malady. The big book, which I read often, explains we were having trouble with our personal relationships. We couldn't control our, <clears throat> excuse me, we couldn't control our emotional natures. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness and were full of fear. We were unhappy. We wouldn't seem to be of real help to others. This indeed was the status of my life without Christ. This indeed drove me to a state of utter self-loathing and despair, void of purpose or direction. Coupled with the fact that once I started drinking or using, I just cannot stop. I was surely dead, and I knew it. With yet another display of utter failure, watching my life yet again crumble to dust, I finally had enough and once again reached out for help. I had heard from a brother that was sharing with me the information that would save my life. You must find your truth, and in this truth, you may find God. I set on a course to uncover the shell of a hidden, a shell of a person hidden under all the worldly pressures, norms, and traumas that I had held on to with critical care to form the weakness of man that I once was. This work uncovered enough for me to make an offering, to wholeheartedly surrender what I understood about myself to what I understood about God, to what I later understood to be laying my life before the cross A change took place in my life that I could not explain other than the acceptance of grace into my life. Forever changed, filled with the Holy Spirit, I died to the world that had held me down and picked up my life. And I picked up my life, a new life in Christ. Living a life through a patient and kind love of Jesus, my Savior and my healer. I have been set free from the bondage of self, bondage of this world, and I now have been graciously afforded a life of service and love. for my brothers and my sisters. My life is undefinably different today. I have been shown the way. I have not had a drink or a drug since July 15, 2018, and I have lost the obsession to drink or use. I today have a fire burning inside me to live and follow the path laid out before me. Paved with the experience of my past sufferings, I must tell you that Christ saves. He will restore you to the glory of his likeness and show you grace for the effort that it took to return you to him because we are worthy of his love and that it is all he wants for us to believe, that he died for us and that he rose to defeat death and that he is defeating death every single day and he has destroyed the death living in me and restored me to life. To his glory, I must tell you, he saved my life and that I love Jesus. This is expressed through consistent prayer, seeking an open consent for Jesus to work in my life on a daily basis. I accept this as the byproduct of connection with others through honesty, willingness, and open-mindedness. I both listen and identify with the experience shared by others as they listen and identify with me. This is the key to my growth and recovery in Christ. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Shiloh has offered a space to engage in such openness and connection, and we have been meeting for six months now. Our meeting, Resurrection and the Life, offers the ability to meet once a week and to enter discussion as it pertains to our experience, strength, and hope, and how our experience has brought us either initially or back to the loving care of Jesus. We begin each meeting with scripture, followed by 10 minutes of silence. We then engage in reading from the big book. Although we are not any other recovery group, we are a singular group at the church. We accept the 12 steps as a path to spiritual growth. Towards our Creator and a better way of life. If you are someone you know is suffering from alcoholism or addiction, or is looking for a meeting that gives the glory to God, I want you to know that we are here every Tuesday from 6:30 to 8. We welcome you and we need you. I could have never recovered on my own, and I know that I did not have the power to do it on my own. We live in a world of miracles. And I thank God every day that he loves the broken and that his light shines through us. So then if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation and the old things have gone away. And I, and look, the new things have arrived, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone here ever wants to ask me a question or just wants to talk, I'm usually here every Sunday and I'm more than willing to share my phone number with anyone who wants it. Thank you for your attention and God bless.
2: Good morning. I felt a strong conviction coming up here, and that is I should have never dropped out of that public speaking group. (laughs) Um, So my name is David Hutchings. I've been attending Shiloh and been part of the worship team here for uh, the past eight and a half or so years. I currently attend here with my wife, Megan, um, and I work in Nashua as a licensed mental health counselor. So I'm here to talk about a less cool addiction um, and an ugly topic, pornography and sex addiction. Uh, I was first exposed to pornography when I was 10 through an internet pop-up window. And as I got older, what was initially an accident turned into curiosity and active searching. Once I got into my early teens, from conversations with my friends, as well as things that I heard at school, I came to realize that looking at porn was normal, um, especially for someone my age. Now, I grew up in a Christian household, and my parents were really loving and supportive, but my parents never talked about the dangers of pornography or about sex. The only thing I knew from my parents and from church was, anything sexual pre-marriage equals bad, and do your best to avoid all the garbage that's out there on the internet. Now, I'm not saying any of this to blame my parents for my addiction, but I'm just saying that this can happen to anyone in any type of family. There's always been guilt and shame attached to my pornography use, and at different times, I had told myself that I should stop. But periods of abstinence never lasted long. Toward the end of high school, a few of my friends from youth group even started an accountability group and started to use accountability software on our computers and phones. This worked for a short period of time, but unfortunately, none of us saw lasting change with this alone. Moving forward, my freshman year in college, I reached what I would describe as my ultimate low point in life. Temptation was everywhere. I knew where I was and what I was doing was wrong, but I just didn't know how to get away. Every sexual high I experienced was always immediately met with a valley of depression. Over time, the high became lesser and the depression became greater and toward the end of my first semester at college, I was so depressed that I contemplated suicide. Fortunately, I met a great therapist, I moved home, I commuted my second semester, took the following semester off school, and completely reevaluated and changed direction in my life, and I never looked at porn or had a lustful thought again. Just kidding. Uh, That summer, I even found Shiloh through an ultimate Frisbee group. So I really wish that's how life worked, and I'm not saying that God isn't capable, but as one of my new favorite quotes goes, if you pray to God to move mountains, don't be surprised if he hands you a shovel. The problem is, at this point in my life, I didn't know I needed a shovel or even what a shovel looked like, metaphorically speaking. I went through periods of daily use and periods of lesser use, but porn never really went away. I met my wife Megan six, six and a half years ago. And when we started dating, we actually even talked about our sexual history, which included my pornography use. And we were on the same page regarding biblical values. Megan knew I wanted my pornography use to go away, and we were both convinced once we were married, this would be a non-issue. Young couples, if you're not married yet, I'm sorry to ruin this for you, but that's not how life works. When we initially got married, my pornography use was almost a non-issue, but it slowly crept its way back in. One piece of the problem was I no longer saw sex as God intended it to be seen, but the bigger part of the problem was I was using porn and sex to medicate pain and uncomfortability, no different than any other addiction, and I didn't even know it. This seems like a great time for a joke. So there's a crowd stuck on a roof of a building during a violent storm which has flooded the streets. A boat comes by the building, and almost everybody gets on except for one guy. The captain of the boat strongly requests the man to get on the boat, but the man responds, I'm all set. God's going to save me. The captain waves him off and and keeps going. A little while later, another boat comes by, and the captain urges the man to get on the boat. Come on, get on the boat. You're going to drown. The guy responds, keep going. God's going to save me. So the boat leaves. The storm is almost overtaking the roof at this point, and a helicopter spots the man and flies down. But the man waves the helicopter off, saying, no, get out of here. God's going to save me. The, uh, the captain of the helicopter is like, all right, whatever. Um, this guy's a lost cause. So the storm overtakes the man, and he dies. When he gets to heaven, he confronts God, and he goes, God, I had faith in you. Why didn't you save me? And God responds, believe me, I tried. I sent you two boats and a helicopter. <laughs> what does this joke Have anything to do with addiction and pornography use. In my journey, one thing I've learned is the solution to my problem isn't always what I think it will be, and sometimes it requires tools. Additionally, sometimes God sends us a solution, but for our own benefit, it requires work. The beginning of the past year, one of my good friends invited me to a group called Seven Pillars of Freedom. This program is biblically based and clinically informed, highly structured, and takes about a full year for completion. This group was founded by an organization called Pure Desire, a Christian organization dedicated to empowering people to take back their life from unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. This was the shovel to my mountain. A big part of what I learned in group is that sobriety and abstinence are not the same thing. Abstinence, although part of sobriety, but the the definition of sobriety is actually healthy living. You're either all in or you're just simply not like the door being completely closed, or not closed at all. It didn't happen overnight, and sobriety is a lifelong journey, but I can now say that I have found and tasted prolonged freedom from my addiction and sexual bondage. While completing this group, I met another young man within our small group here at Shiloh, Travis Wiederstein, who had also completed the Seven Pillars group. Recognizing how many people, couples, and families are affected by pornography and sex addiction, We felt it on our hearts to support the cause and start a new Seven Pillars to Freedom group at Shiloh. This Seven Pillars group will will begin at Shiloh following a group called the Conquer Series, which will start in just a couple of weeks. Now, the Conquer Series is also designed just for men, but is centered more around education. If you're interested in the Seven Pillars group, you should come to the Conquer Series group. But the Conquer Series group is not just for people who need the Seven Pillars group. I hope I'm making this clear. The enemy uses shame, uncomfortability, and isolation to keep us in sin and bondage. But when we can talk about it and speak God's truth to the situation, the enemy loses his power. These groups give us the tools to do just that. Lastly, like Luke said, if anyone has any questions after service, I'm more than happy to talk with anyone about anything I've talked about today. Thank you and God bless.
0: All right, those guys are courageous. Thank you very much, gentlemen. So just to recap, every Tuesday night, 6.30 to 8, is the Resurrection and a Life group. Uh, Luke's been meeting with a bunch of people uh, in that group. Uh, The Conquer series is going to be starting at the end of this month, 6.30 to 8. The Conquer series, you know, whether you're personally fighting the battle in pornography or you just want to be equipped to help your sons, your daughters, or, or do battle, uh, or you want to be a part of the solution when discussions come up at small group, right? This the Conquer series is for every every man, 19 and above. We're inviting you all. I'm going to the Conquer series. I invite you all to come. What I'd like you to do, though, when you go to Shiloh.cc, the Conquer series, I need you to register for. ...because there's a work, workbook that's required and I need to order those workbooks. So if you're interested in coming to Conquer Series January 31st... ...please go on this week and register for that. You can still come. I'll order extra books. But it would be great if, if you could do that. Um, this morning we're also privileged to have Rick Cardos and his wife Vicki... ...they're down here in the second row. Uh, Rick leads a ministry called Nathan Project. And it's the people that are stuck in, in pornography and sexual addiction you've got questions if if you're if you want prayer right Rick and Vicky are here they, they'd love to pray with you after service so as as we try to wrap this this uh, message up what if Jesus called your name and he goes angel do you love me right Rick do you love me Barb do you love me what do you think Peter's body language was at that moment when Jesus was asking him, do you love me? He's, Peter was probably looking down the first time. And, and when, when Jesus calls his name and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Maybe, maybe Simon just picked his head up a little bit. Second time, maybe, maybe he picked his head up, but he wasn't looking at Jesus. By the third time, I'm sure Jesus was like, Simon, look at me in the eyes. Because to be loved and to be fully known is a powerful thing. And that's the Jesus that we have today. The Jesus that we have today looks at a Luke, and he says, Luke, I'm not going to leave you where you are. He looks at a Dave, and he goes, Dave, I'm not going to... He looks at you. He looks at all of us. And he says, I'm not going to leave you stuck in the past. I'm not going to leave you stuck with an addiction, stuck with a sin that you can't tell anybody. Yeah, is it bold to talk about alcoholism, drug addiction, and sexual pornography here in a service? Sure, it's bold. But you know what? Jesus wants the ability to pour hydrogen peroxide on whatever you have. And you're going to go, ah, and he's going to go. And then you're going to be all better, right? (laughs) No, you're going to pick up a shovel. That's what's going to happen. You're not going to be all better. You're going to pick up a shovel and you're going to start to move them out in one shovel at a time. Because this is what I know. We're not a sum of what we've done We're who God says we are. Amen, church? Right? And this is who God says we are. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. If you're here this morning and you believe in Jesus and you've accepted him into your heart and said, Lord, I'm giving you all that I am, then you have the right to become the children of God. He is here to set you free. And if you don 't know my Jesus, you know what today can be your day where you say, "Jesus, I want to give you everything because you know what i 'm stuck, and the life i 'm living is not worth living anymore. Jesus, I need you i need I need your love, I need your forgiveness, I need your healing in my life. So what does it look like for us to step into the future? Three times, Jesus tells Peter to feed my lambs. God loves to use imperfect people, saints, right Some of us were waiting. We're waiting for that moment. You know what? If I could just get a hold of this, if I could just get a hold of that, then God could use me. If I just learn more scripture, God could use me. No, God can use you now if you're willing to be courageous and say yes and give him all that you are. That's what God is looking for. He uses imperfect people. Luke is imperfect. David's imperfect. I'm imperfect. The only qualification to be used by God is not a perfect past. It's the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. Right. That's what we need. So what is God calling us to in 2023? You know, I I had a sticky in my office and I meant to bring it with me because I want you to create a sticky that says, if you know what God is calling to you, then then write it out. And put the sticky on the door or put it on the mirror, or put it on your dash, do something with that sticky that you're going to see it every day. If you don't know what God's calling to you, just say, God's call on my life. Because every day you walk out the door, every day you go to coffee, every day you have lunch, I want you to know one thing, that God's giving you an invitation. Are you going to live 2023 for me? Are you going to fulfill what I have for you? Or are you just going to keep doing it and be stuck in the past? He doesn't want us to be stuck in the past. So, you know, as I look at the story of Peter, I'm going to wrap up with this one last statement. There's something about the story of Peter that we've not done it justice this morning. We've looked at where Peter had regret. We've looked at where he had guilt, where he had shame, where he failed. But suppose we just turn that story 180 degrees around and look at it this way, that Jesus was there for Peter. Jesus was there providing Peter victory. Jesus was there the whole time. Right? Do, can we see our past in the sense of it's just a, it's just something that we want to forget? Or can we say, no, Jesus, you were there for me. You're there for me in my past. You're there for me now. And you're there for me in my future. Because if you can get a hold of the hope that Jesus offers, you can move forward in life. If you don't have hope, you don't have a vision, you're going to die. That's what the word of God has to say. So, When I get it right on the days that I get it right, not every day, but when I get it right, I don't see my failures. I see God's faithfulness in my life. When I get it right, I don't see how bad I was. I see how good God is. I don't see defeat. I see God's victory in my life. So what's 2023 going to be about? Is it going to be about You can't get rid of the cold draft from 2022. Or is it going to be about, Lord, I want your story to be all that Jesus Christ wants to do in my life. That's what I want 2023 to be about. This is what I find that Paul said. He said this in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling to me. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? I don't know what's happened in your 2022 but I'm imploring you, shut the door today. It might take a lot of force. It might take intention. It takes a decision. It takes courage to say, God, I want to give you all that I am. I want all that you have for me. Because, God, I want to walk through 2023 living out your call in my life. Would you focus with me this morning? If you're, if you're would you just close your eyes with me as we pray. Because if you're here this morning... And you're like, you know, maybe you've had an addiction that you need to say no to and shut the door. Maybe it's just the sin that you've had in your life that you keep saying, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I did it. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is here and he wants to set you free and he wants you to move on. He wants you to move on in hope and vision. So if you're, if you're re- ready to to say, I'm ready to let go of the past and I want to take all that God has for me in the future. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you today? Yeah, amen. Father God, I pray for each one that wants to let go of 2022, Lord, that, that we can let go of it, Lord. We put it under the waters of your forgiveness, God. We, we thank you that we are who your word says we are. In 1 John 1, 9, Lord, if we confess our sins to you, you're faithful and just to forgive us. And now, Lord, Yeah. Yeah, we, we hold it out to you, God. We hold out that wound. We hold out our past, Lord. Pour on the hydrogen peroxide, Holy Spirit. Cleanse us. Cleanse us. Do the work that you need to do. But God, we want to move forward from here, moving forward into 2023 and opening the door. You know, and maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Greg, you're talking about giving all to Jesus and having courage. Greg, I don't know this Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you, wanna, you want a relationship with Jesus, you've never given your life to Jesus, would you raise both hands up boldly? I want to see who you are because I want to be able to pray for you. Anybody here, you say, yes, I need to receive Jesus. Both hands up. I see I see two hands up. Anyone else? I see it. Anyone else? Yeah, come on. Anyone? You wanna You want to say, Jesus, I'm giving you all this morning. Okay, God, I pray for these people that have raised both hands. Lord, they need to know you. <laughs> God, you've seen them, you've loved them, you're there for them. So pray with me right now, all of us together. Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse me from my sins. I give you my life this morning. Let me live for you. Be my Lord, be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Well, saints of God, thank you so much for being here today. If if you raise both hands, I would love for you to come down and and see me. I've got a book I want to give you called Living in Christ. If anyone else wants prayer, feel free to come forward. We'd love to pray for you. But God bless. And don't worry, I told the children's ministry that we were going to go late this morning. But they are expecting you, so get over there. All right. Take care. God bless.